to the Nerd Crusade Podcast. This is episode 28. Uh, I'm your host, Ian, with me as always, Courtney. Hello. And this week we're going to be talking about uh, a few TV shows and one game. Uh, basically, uh, we finished The Witcher finally, and that yeah. was a slog to get through. Uh, we'll also be talking about the first few episodes of Harley Quinn, which is an excellent show you should yep. watch. If There's you four episodes of that out now. Yep. And then we've actually like been binge-watching The Bear. We're actually almost done with season two, but... Um, we'll talk a little bit about that, and then I'll cover first impressions of Boulder's Gate, because I've played about seven hours of it so far. All right. So, first things first, The Witcher, its last three episodes, which was, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. That was episode six. Episode seven is out of the fire and into the frying pan. And episode eight is called The Cost of Chaos. Yeah, and... Thoughts. (laughs) This season sucks. Like the whole, one thing I was hoping for is that they kept saying since it was Henry Cavill's last season on the show, mm-hmm. was that oh they're giving Henry Cavill a good a good send out. Which they did not do that. The at first all. half they had like good fights. Yeah, that were great. Yeah, the first half was fine. This this uh, last three episodes that they put out to try to get more viewership, uh, it had good fights, but they for a, a majority of it they had Henry Cavill or Gerald laid up most of the time yeah like if you're gonna say here's a good send off for this actor who's playing this character you don't beat his ass down at the second to last episode where they basically break his back well that was was episode six six. actually they break his back his fuck up his leg and he's like laid up trying to have the will to live and find siri who disappeared through basically a portal she made at a monolith yeah um yeah he's laid up for all of episode seven and most of episode eight. And it's not until the very end of age where he can walk and move again and has, a... has one last sword fight with a group of uh, Nilf- Guardian soldiers. Which is literally the, the embodiment of a temperature tantrum. <laughs> yeah. It's not like any like grand quest thing to do. Yeah, he was sa- kind of saving a family, but it was something he. It was something more like, "Oh, I hate these fuckers," and this gave me an excuse to fucking kill these people and, get, and vent some anger that he had yeah. for getting his ass kicked finally. Because like, through most of the series, he's always won most of his fights. He lost to a mage, which which yeah, with Gerald he would be pretty butthurt about that, uh, getting his ha- ass handed to him by a guy with a staff. Um, and hand to him pretty, pretty badly where he breaks his back and all that stuff. But like, you know, some magic from Yennefer and some med- and some healing hot water and re- bed rest, he's back to normal right In a week. week. Yeah, basically. But basically what happened was like, as we left off with episode five and their big ballroom thing and everybody doing their scheming and planning and they're outing who the traitors are in the mages guild, we'll say, uh, <laughs> that all falls apart in episode six because... They, yeah, they know who the who the other traitor is, but plans have been put in place. The elves show up, and they start fucking tearing the place up and killing everybody. Yeah. Um, Dijkstra and Philippa's plan to purge the Brotherhood basically failed because the elves showed up to kill everyone. The elves and Nilfgaard. And the, well, it was a few Nilfgaardians. It was mainly the elves. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the mages finally pull their head out of their ass, and uh, the head female mage fights back, and I guess... Puts it to a stalemate where like the elves finally like just leave after the other guy blew the ball up with fire but didn't actually kill anybody. Well, he didn't kill about five of them. 
Yeah, the, the one traitor that they found in episode five, like, he's like, I'll be happy to fucking kill these guys. And, like, he doesn't kill anybody important yeah. <laughs> but, but himself. Pretty uh, much. And then for some reason, all the elves leave. And, like, the Guardian dude that was with them finds Siri and offers to have her kill him because he ruined her life. But then he goes off to fight the, fight off the elves who are coming after her. Uh, but they don't really fight or anything. Her, yeah, you know, they don't show cave. any yeah. fighting. It, it's it's a little all over the place. But basically, what happens at the beginning is uh, Dijkstra and Philippa do a coup to take over this conclave and uh, purge it from anybody who's well, not, not purging. No, 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 they're not purging. She kept using the word purge. That well, was their, she, that was their plan. Well, it was to like get rid of anybody who wasn't going to be with them in Rodania. Yeah. And that's what they were going to do. And that's why they had them sit down and they had mages that weren't with them tied up. But then that's when the elves that are now working with Nilfgaard uh, show up and uh, throw off Dijkstra and Philippa's plan along with causing chaos for the mages. And then during that time, uh, Geralt gets away uh, Yennefer goes to find Siri. Yennefer and Siri meet up outside of where all this is happening. And the fire dude that's been following him around and causing him trouble shows up and uh, somewhat captures Siri with the circle of fire. And Yennefer has Gerald's sword and she says that she's going to place it down, but she actually throws it and Gerald magically shows up behind the fire dude without him noticing and slices his Yeah, it was very anticlimactic. It was like, oh, here's this villain for this entire season that's been a thorn in their side. Like, it was beat once, but then he was healed. Now he's back to basically... Full fin- power. Finishes finishes job, and Gil just cuts his head off almost instantly. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, well, that's not a threat anymore. Yep. Um, and then Yennefer goes to help the mages, and then uh, uh, Siri and Geralt are going to go run and... Uh, get a boat to get off the island but when they go to find the boat that is where um gerald's badge starts to hum yeah because it senses magic i believe yep it senses magic senses danger so he tells siri to go uh run away and siri runs towards the the tall tower and gerald goes to hunt down this source of magic. He literally walks to the back of a room, walks around some columns, and then boom, there's the villain who is... I can't remember how they pronounce his name, but he's basically a but, Voldemort. Yeah, but he's one of the mages, mage, yes. Brotherhood Magic guys that is uh, working for Nilfgaard, wants to get, take Siri to the... I keep forgetting the Nilfgaardians king's name but at this point it doesn't matter and he was the one behind the experiments with the blonde girl who thought her thought she was siri and like yeah. the amalgamation of bodies and weird shit that Geralt killed earlier um and so, then they fight and he beats the shit out of Geralt. yep like to a pulp and then oh, he yes. goes after siri who's in this tower uh seeing these runes appear on the black obelisk um the obelisks which are been kind of hinted at that these are uh, focus points of power where uh, portals can be opened up between the different worlds because, again, the whole lore of this world is that the world we're seeing was a world that was once owned by the elves and then there was a convergence of or alignment of planets or realms or whatnot and then humans poured in, humans and monsters poured into this world 
and humans are basically taking it over. While she's using this uh, monolith, uh, Voldemort dude shows up behind her, <laughs> and basically the thing fucking explodes. Well, Siri causes it yeah, to causes explode. Yeah, causes it to explode, so the whole tower gets destroyed, the monolith explodes, basically, and Siri Gets thrown into a desert. Yeah, she pops up in in a desert, which she describes as as being far east from where the kingdoms are. Yep. So and what's his name gets his face fucked up, but he survived. Somehow he survived, even though he was right there in the tower, and you saw the tower collapse and everything. Uh, So the there's very few uh, mages left. And basically just all the women. Yeah, just basically all the women, which is about, it looked like about eight eight are left. Uh, And then Dijkstra and Philippa escape. And uh, the elf queen and a few of her guards and um, the one mage chick that was with Nilfgaard goes with them. And yeah, I forget she com- her name. Yeah, she comes <laughs> back to, uh, to Nilfgaard um, after being banished out, and basically, uh, it's not Margarita. No, can't remember her name, and she's not listed. She's not built on the top cast, which oh, it's like Frangelica. Frangelica, that's what it that is. was her Frangelica. name. Yeah, she goes back to Nilfgaard with the Elf Queen, saying, "Hey, we pledge we pl- pledge our allegiance to you. Uh, let us go back to Rodania or whatnot, and we'll be." Um, well, that now you're skipping to the last episode. Well, because said. episode but, seven was nothing but Siri in the desert going crazy, basically. Yeah, so episode seven, Siri's trying to figure out a way out of the desert, goes crazy. You see, Gerald is in this like nil, nymph kind of place, getting healed, uh, because Triss found him and took him there, and uh, the bard's there with him, and Gerald's just held up. Yennefer is trying to put pieces back together, and mostly episode seven is just Siri wandering, wandering the through the desert. desert, and then at the very end, uh, she gets captured by a bunch of desert people that are going to take her to Nilfgaard. Yeah, and she sees a unicorn. Oh yeah, and she has, sees a unicorn. It has some visions and kind of goes crazy. Basically, kind of goes crazy trying to get out of the desert until those people find her. Yep. Um, but when they find her, it's, a, it's I thought it was surprising because episode seven, it's like, oh, Siri's been found. They're taking her to uh, Nilfgaard. Like, the whole, whole world knows about it. Everybody. Yep. It's like, wow, that's fairly quick how that happened. Um, but basically, <clears throat> seven, like, yeah. ep- or episode eight is like... Uh, Everyone's trying to s- stop... Uh, Siri from getting to Nilfgaard, and if that's the and that's the weird thing about this episode, right? Because like, Yennefer yeah. takes all the mages except Philippa, and they go. She goes to all. No, I, no, her Philippa shows up. She and, shows up, but she wasn't with them when they initially went. And what's their plan? They go to the one place that Geralt said that the Voldemort wizard was at, which he wasn't at when, when Geralt was there. So it's like, why would you fucking go there? They went there, found the dead monster body that Geralt killed. Yeah. And realize, oh, these are the pre- missing apprentices from the fucking mages tower. Which, oh, I guess you guys didn't care about missing ma- missing apprentices before. But now you do. So, like, they do a little spell and take the monster's body amalgamation back into, like, the three girls. Then they leave the castle, have a have a little meeting outside when Philip uh, shows up. And say, okay, we're going to take, we're going to actually bury those girls. 
Yeah, so going to, go to give back. them a proper ceremony. So they have to go back in the castle after Siri. Yeah, and get them. They bury the girls. They start cleaning up their cat, their ruined castle. I'm like, aren't you guys supposed to be trying to find fucking Siri? Yeah, like, they, they were. It's like but you tried one place and like, oh, she's not there. I guess we'll go yeah. home and start cleaning up the mess. Pretty much, and the. The one head mage chick uh, decides to off herself. Yeah, Tissia, and, which that honestly made no sense. She's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, her hair went gray from uh, using all that lightning to try and fight off the elves. But she still could use magic because she helped dispel the uh, amalgamation of the girls yeah, so, to normal. So she's Tissia, still in magic. She could still help lead because they look as to her as a fucking leader. And she's like, no, I'm going to off myself. Write a nice letter to Yen and be like, oh, sorry, I'm piecing out. Yeah, it's like, she was basically, Yennefer, this is your time to take over. And it's like, bitch, you're not dead yet. Why the fuck did you kill yourself? Yeah, it's like, I got my own shit to do. I got to go find my adopted daughter, you yeah. cunt. It's like, my God. So that's all mess. The other mess uh, is... Well, Dijkstra. Dijkstra and Dijkstra. Philippa go back to yeah. their kingdom where their king is really pissed that, hey, you were supposed to do your big purge and then come back heroes and dismantle the brotherhood and all the, my understanding is all that fucking failed. And where and, is my brother? And he was going to, uh, basically told Dijkstra that he was going to kill Philippa for somebody had to, had to pay for it. Dijkstra goes to Philippa and basically offers to kill, have him be killed for to take the blame. But she's like, oh no, dude, I already took... took Took the uh, efforts to make sure make sure we're safe, which is basically have the king killed. Yeah, and her the, well, the thing is that the king's brother comes back, the one yeah. that was like in love with uh, Jasker, and it's like, hey, you no, know I'm gonna leave the castle. You can give me all these jobs to do, and I can't do any of them. But th I'm gonna go help my friend who needs help, and he's his plan was to go help Jasker and Gerald find Siri, but he can't do that because. <laughs> Philippa killed the king and basically crowns him king 10 seconds yep. later. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm dumbfounded. My, there's my brother dead on the floor, bleeding out. And you're just... And you're crowning me king and everybody's saying, hail the king. And now I have to stay here and be the ruler of Rodania with the war coming at me from Nilfgaard. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of no wonder why he, um, in the game you he had purged out Dijkstra and Philippa. <laughs> yeah, but like... Also, how he's portrayed in the game is not a fucking dumb, childish boy who doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. He seemed to be very more of a cunning, like, king that knew people around him were conspiring against him and wanted to get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, because Philippa was uh, also his teacher at one point, too. Yeah. So, so it was very weird that he was, like, that he's portrayed as a dumb child throughout this. Yeah. But basically, that sets up Rodania with their king. And Philip and Deistra are safe, and they've gotten rid of, rid of any chance of them getting killed. And they have a king that they can basically puppet more easily. Um, but then, like, Frangilla, Frangilla and the elf queen go to Nilfgaard and pledge their allegiance. Um, but uh, he'll only take let them do it if uh, the elf queen gives up all her warriors to fight the war for him. Yep. Which she's like, yeah, I'm willing to do it until Frangilla tells her, well... Technically, he killed your your child, and yep. your husband and brother got killed fighting the trying to start a war that he wanted you to start for him. Well, her brother blew up in front of her at the in episode five. Yeah, the mage was like, just basically Whoa. threw a ball at him. <laughs> or he sorry, fucking exploded. Yeah, <laughs> right before she was covered in blood afterwards. But basically, 
she's about to give into it until Frangelica tells her that no, the Nilfgaardian king had your kid killed, and basically your people's lives are being wasted for his uses. So that's filling her up with rage, and she probably wants revenge against Nilfgaard now. Yeah, because they because she was trying to convince her. Um, as soon as Siri comes, you and I grab her and we t- portal out and we go hide with her. Yeah, and then we find that like, hey, Siri is being captured and these guys do plan on taking her to Nilfgaard. Well, before that, we actually have a scene where we see Siri. Nope, 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 nope. You are half asleep, sir, and okay. I don't blame you. But before that, Siri comes home to Nilfgaard and there's a big uh, parade and everything and you see the little blonde girl come up, but hey, it's not actually Siri. It's the fake Siri. Yeah, which makes sense because Vilgefort was the one that was like brainwashing this girl to think she was Siri. And, and you keep hearing, like, everyone's like, well, if Siri, the daughter of the lioness, partners with Nilfgaard, then nobody's going to uh, fight against them. Uh, and it's like, wait, why would Siri's not going to partner with them unless they force her to? And there's going to take a lot of forcing and probably a lot of torture for that to happen. She's not going to walk down the aisle all nilly willy in a, in a fucking dress ready to go. Yeah. And as we see in Siri, she is more of a witcher than she is of a princess. She's very tomboy. Because even in the first <clears throat> season, uh, uh, running around with her grandmother, she only wore dresses when she had to. Yeah. She, was, she always snuck out. She was dressed as a tomboy. And it's very clear, like, yeah, what's this procession of her walking down an aisle by herself to meet her father? It's like this is bullshit. And then that's right when this happens, it's like that's not gonna be serious. It's gonna be the other girl, I bet. Yeah, because he never killed her, and it ends up being the fake Siri. And then we find out Siri is still in this like desert desert area. desert bar with this guys that are like, hey, we're gonna turn her in. This is what the Nilfgaard is looking for. Even as people are telling, like, oh no, they, I've heard they found her. And they start debating, and then... They're like, well, why are they still <clears throat> having a reward? Um, so she's tied up, and there's another prisoner tied up as well. Ten, who happens to be part of the band of a bunch of nobodies that were in the village where she saved the Wervin w- from the yeah place. And, like, the girl who stole her money shows up with her gang and basically to save the other dude. And then they let her out, and then give her a chance to fight her captor. And that whole scene, that point of that scene was nothing but to uh, bring back what Geralt said. It was like, when you kill a person, it's a serious thing. And we'll see if she would actually do it. And she had no problem fucking doing it. it, it you see that it supposedly changed her. And that's where she says no when they ask her what her name is. And she, I think she gives a name like... She has a false name. Like Falcon or something, right? It's some yeah. weird name. It's, it's a weird name. It starts with an F. Yeah. It didn't make any sense because like that's not how she's known at all in the games. They don't call her by a different name. She's always just been Siri. Yeah. Um, but in the games, Siri does allude to, when she talks to Joan Witcher 3, that she's traveled to different dimensions, different portals, different places because... There's a conversation in the game where she talks about Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. And so she's that's where she gets like a lot of her worldly experiences. She's gone to all these different places and learned stuff. Clearly, they're not going to do any of that here because they're fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know where the story is going. The Wild Hunt showed up briefly but has never come back. Mm-hmm. We don't know if she conjured them or if they're coming after her. But that well, was clearly they are coming after her. But that was clearly the Wild Hunt, but that's the only time yeah. we've ever seen them. Yeah, and I thought they would end the episode where with Gerald going off with the Wild Hunt to save Siri from them. But 
they didn't do that because that would have been a great way to be like, oh, it's not Henry Cavill anymore. He comes he's... back as as the other actor. Yeah, yeah. That would make more a lot of sense because in the story he does go with the Wild Hunt. I don't know if it's to sacrifice himself for Siri, but he does end up with the Wild Hunt for mm-hmm. a number of years, loses his memory, comes back, and that's where like um, Witcher Two, the Assassins of Kings storyline, I think picks up. Mm-hmm. And after I'm play up throughout the entire game because that game was a little bit a lot harder than Witcher 3 after but we do have it we, we actually we, we actually, could try we need, do probably need to go through that um but wherever that ends that game ends with him looking for Siri and Yennefer uh both off trying to find Siri and the Witcher 3 is all about finding Siri and whatever and what happens there so Whatever, this show is def- obviously not following the books, not following the games. As much as they will keep saying, oh, the writers and everybody love the books and whatnot, they clearly don't. They're making yeah. up their own bullshit. And this show is going to be complete dog shit and nobody's going to watch season four. Well, because... who knows if they'll even do season four with between the writer's strike and the actor's strike. So it might be yeah, it come dead in the ri- water. It might be depends if they already had it written. I don't think they had it written. I don't. Yeah, they don't have anything for, uh, for episode four. Yeah, season. I don't think they had anything written. I think they started casting, but I don't think they had anything written yet. So, <clears throat> it was not a good send-off for Henry Cavill, and it just fell flat. There was just a few episodes here and there that were good, but other than that, it just fell real flat. You could skip The Witcher, in my opinion. And I mean, the first be, season have, is the best season to watch. Yeah. And then don't give a shit about anything else that happens. Yeah. Just read the books or play the games after season one. And yeah. you'll be happy. If you could find The Witcher one. I mean, that's just such an old PC game. There, it, you could find I'm, it I'm sure it's on. probably on Steam, but like, beware. Like, it's old to where like the graphics look horrible compared to stuff today. Witcher yeah. 3 is definitely not, maybe not the best place to start off at, but you could there. And it's still great and wonderful game to play. Mm-hmm. Um, two, you could definitely start there as well. Uh, I just think there's a few things that are complicated with their interface. Because I think I got stuck to a point where it's like, where the fuck am I supposed to go? And there's no marker on the mini map. I have no idea where I'm at. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out w- what to do next. Um, but the TV show, watch season one. That's fun. And that had kind of was a cool story and whatnot. Yes, all that stuff gets referenced back to again in season two and season three, but like it's those two seasons aren't worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, season two completely makes the stupid stretch of Yennefer trying to kill kill Siri, and then all it's magically apologetic and everything's good by the end of episode one in season three, which is stupid. Yeah, and then it's a lot of people. Problem with the show is like it's trying to be a Game of Thrones where people are making all these plans and plots, but nobody's ever doing anything. And I think, and it's where, and I come with that comparison because, like, when you watch Game of Thrones and you have, like, Cersei is going to take a vengeance against everybody and blow up the fucking cathedral, she blows up the fucking cathedral. The mages are going to have a big conflict in Witcher 3, in Witcher, are going to come together as peace and have, and do all the stuff, or no, Philip and them are going to take over this, or the Milf Guardians are going to do this. Nobody gets anything done, and they all just fucking leave for no apparent reason. Yeah. It's like, shit, people died. Let's just all retreat. I don't know why nobody took over. They obviously had an upper hand on the mages, but didn't do anything. It wasn't a stalemate. They just all fucking left because the only reason they were there is like everyone wanted Siri, and Siri took off well before that anything started. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like everybody's making plans and nobody's executing anything properly. Yeah, nothing, nothing comes together. Yeah, it's very messy. 
like we said, you can skip. Um, well, most likely if season four comes out, not watch it unless people demand it and you want to torture us. Yep. Uh, next show, uh, Harley Quinn, four yes. episodes out, maybe the fifth episode, like, well, it comes out no. on Thursday. Yeah. So fifth episode's not out yet. Um, if you have not watched the Harley Quinn series and maybe you're it's afraid, animated. maybe you're afraid to because of the bad news with Velma or you maybe you read negative things, uh, about Harley Quinn, which I don't I haven't found many negative things because the only thing I can think of is like the cis assholes out there are probably saying hey, it was very, pretty much anti-patriarchy and all that stuff. But it's like, if you read the actual Harley Quinn comics, her whole life, that's what her life is because the only guy she knew in her entire life was the Joker, who was a piece of shit. Well, it wasn't the only guy that she yeah. knew her whole life, but <clears throat> the Joker twisted her so much that, like, even her dad was an asshole. Yeah. And so she was just moving from asshole to asshole to asshole until finally she's like, fuck it. Yeah. Not going to take it anymore. And very much in the Harley Quinn comics, it's her on her own, finding doing her own thing and yeah. being... Kind of a hero, sometimes a villain type of stuff. Well, she's the anti-hero. Yeah. And so the cartoon follows up almost perfectly, and then they throw in the mix with the Poison Ivy, and then them having a relationship, which is perfect, perfectly fine, and, and I think canon in some of the comics, too. Oh, yeah. In the Harley Quinn comics, uh, they have a relationship yeah. on and off. So, like, this makes perfect sense of what's going on. So anybody who's complaining about that is full of shit, but it's not... Um, the cringy shit like Velma where like they obviously hate the fans of the original material and are trying to subverse that. And they, they are... hate people also in Velma they hated people that watched cartoons yeah. and everything. It's like huh. This clearly like they like they like the character, they like the world that it's in and they expand on it. It's very, very funny. Yeah. Season four now breaks off with Harley Quinn has become part of the Bat family because Batman mm -hmm. is now in jail for raising his zombie his zombie parents and almost destroying Gotham. Yes, with the accidental <laughs> zombie almost army. Yeah. Not, not quite. That Poison Ivy basically saves the city from, and Harley Quinn. Poison Ivy has been promoted to CEO of the Legion of Doom by Lex Luthor. Yep. So basically, like, they have their work lives, which are on opposite sides of the fence. And then they have their relationship. Uh, and it looks like this season is going to be like how they kind of do work, ba work balance, life balance. Work type of life stuff. balance, yeah. Um, but you see the struggles like. Obviously, Ivy's going through the, hey, you're a woman in this corporate world and nobody respects you bullshit. Yes. And how she earns respect through that. And how even Lex Luthor's a piece of shit. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is really funny. And it's fu funny that like it came out recently that the supposedly Lex Luthor that's here, which is the Lex Luthor that's in the Batman animated show from like the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, every group thinking that guy was black. Supposedly he was supposed to be a white dude. Like, no, that is a black guy. From fucking facial features to body, he's a black Lex Luthor. Yeah. Perfectly fine with that. I don't know why suddenly like, oh no, he's supposed to be white. Um, but that's the Lex Luthor that's in here, and he comes off perfectly as you would expect. Because what you see here is in the, with these characters, it's like you saw the serious side of all those characters in those original animated series. Yeah. And this is like behind the curtain, like Lex Luthor getting dressed as a bunch of servants helping him and telling him he's perfect <laughs> and. Pumping his calves so his calves look good. Yes. Like, such narcissistic bullshit that you never see when, like, you see the serious side of it in the Superman cartoon. Um, so it's funny to see that backside of how ridiculous these people all are. Even in the Harley Quinn show, like, how ridiculous Batman is. And the Bat family is. Yeah. Um, That's why I like this show. It's like a peek behind the curtain, or not even a peek. It's throw out the curtain and you get to see the whole messy show of someone's real life. 
Yeah. And that they're not perfect. They're not always broody. It's it's great. I mean, all the the rogue galleries that they throw in the show is awesome. Yes. Um, I love Bane. I love Bane. I love, I love uh, King him. Shark. Um, <laughs> I loved how like the Riddler got buffed because they put him in a in a hamster wheel to power <laughs> some Doomsday device in one of the earlier seasons. Yes. Um, I also love like in the latest episode that the bat with the Bat family, Carly Quinn had to teach them how to fight because once uh, Wayne Enterprises is being taken over by Talia from the. League of Shadows, and she's liquefied all their assets, so she took away all their gadgets that the Bat family can't fight without having their tools. Yeah, can't fight without our gadgets, <laughs> so Harley Quinn starts training them. Yeah, so she has to teach them how to, you know, just kick ass like normal people. <laughs> yes. It's like, use what you have around you, like a book, or a bat, or, you know, a piece of furniture. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really funny. It's a great cartoon. I feel like it does justice to the comics, that it um, is referencing. It's definitely moved to probably on its own path by now. But, I mean, they had they even had, I think, um, the little beaver hamster thing that she talks yes. to in the, com- in the comic books. They had that briefly. Briefly in the first season. Like, the first season was a good, like, touching off point. Like, hey, here's stuff from the comics. And now we're going to jump off into doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. Which they've done very, very well. And it's a very, very good show. Very funny. Yep. I definitely I would recommend watching it. It's nothing like Velma if you heard anything like that. So don't worry about that. Uh, definitely very, very, very good. Yes. Um, last show we'll just talk about briefly because we haven't quite finished it yet. But we're almost done. We're like, I think three episodes away from finishing it. Um, but the reason why I started watching this uh, called The Bear, which is on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Which is the FX show, uh, was because I was watching um, Cinema Sins or Cinema Wins. Uh, uh, everything great about Ted Lasso. Yes. And he's comparing like these are, Ted Lasso and the show are basically the same story, or almost the same characters. Um, yes and no, and he even says that in his own di- diatribe about it. So definitely watch Cinema Wins. Uh, everything great about Ted Lasso if you like Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Um, I think The Bear is definitely interesting. It's not as feel-good, funny, or comedy like Ted yeah, Lasso is. Yeah, it's definitely not feel-good. Ha-ha. It's definitely a drama, but, like, you get, I got sucked into the concept of, basically, you have this, like, Michelin star-winning head chef guy go back home to the restaurant his brother uh, owned who'd recently died and left to him, which is this dirty, greasy spoon sandwich shop and wants to turn it into a better restaurant, and, like, the struggles of dealing with people who don't fucking understand the program or think that, oh, you worked at French Laundry, that's such a stupid place, Why? what the fuck do they know? Yep. Dealing with, like, the middle class, I wouldn't say the middle class stupidity, but, like, the middle class disdain for anything above them. I would say blue collar. Blue collar, yeah. Blue collar disdain for the upper class. And the fact that he went off to go to New York and uh, around the world. Yep. And became this big fancy chef. He his cousin or fam, family kind of like looked down on him about doing that. But those things will make him a great chef, and he's going to turn this restaurant into a good highlighting restaurant. And it's very interesting what kind of happens. And when you think about it, the guy at Cinnamon was right where it's like Ted Lasso is about a generally good person doing good things, and like. When I saw the Bears, like, original previews and whatnot, it seemed like, well, here's a disturbed guy who's probably just an asshole chef. Yeah. Who gets people to be better by being an asshole to him. Where it's not that at all. He actually is a guy that has definitely issues, um, has does end up being an asshole in certain circumstances, which some of them are, he's justifiable to it. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, he does have an air where he wants to respect everybody. He wants to help everybody. He doesn't fire his shitty ass cousin, who is obviously a toxic person. Doesn't fire the old uh, Spanish lady working in the restaurant who doesn't want to change. He helps them eventually change. Yeah, which is the good side because, like, honestly, watching the first few episodes, you're like. Okay, you want to change this? Fire those two people, and then you can start changing this fucking restaurant. Yeah, things will start changing around. <laughs> but but he, that never comes across. He never even thinks about, I gotta fire fucking Richie because he's a dickhead. Yeah, it's like, no, I have to help improve these people so the restaurant becomes more successful. So let me put these uh, rules and uh, roles in place so we could start functioning better. And it does and it does start to work and you also see him struggle with his brother's death which was by suicide and just also his brother uh was a coke addict well painkiller or painkiller i'm sorry he was on painkillers they don't tell you exactly what he was on they just say he was addicted to painkillers um but like this has a star to the cast like the remaining cast are like Bunch of unknowns for the most part, except for I think cousin Richie. I've, I've seen him a few things. I don't remember who, exactly who yeah. he is. Um, but later on, other in season two, um, you get a huge star-studded cast. Where first season, Oliver Platt's in it, uh, who's definitely a great actor and whatnot. Um, but by season two, towards the end of that, we end up having. Uh, well, they there's that one extra long episode. Yeah, called during the, Christmas. the Dinner of Fishes. Well, it's just called Fishes. Fish, yeah, fishes and fishes. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oliver Platt's there. John Mulaney's there. Um, I forget what the gal's other name was. Wait to the episode. She was in Ocean's Eight, I believe, and she was also oh, in yeah. Sarah Paulson. Yes. I was like surprised. Holy shit! You got all these star-studded casts in here. That's that's crazy. Um, that. Uh, all these people are just in this one episode. Um, Gill- Gillian Jacobs from the community is in is in this episode. It's just a ton of like stars to the power. And the way they film this, where like a lot of conversations, a lot of the stuff that's happening is like so close ups on everybody's faces. It makes you uncomfortable, and it, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable and uneasy. But also brings through how good of acting all the characters are, all the actors are doing. Yeah. Bob Odekirk is in it, who's also um, the guy that was in the movie Nobody, um, mm. and uh, Gotta Call Saul. Um, all these people do a great job having this having the most awkward family dinner ever. <laughs> and yeah. it's a family dinner like everybody can relate to, and that's what the guy in the uh, cinema wins was saying, like, yeah, that episode Fishes, we all can relate to. I was like, yeah, we've all had a family dinner where shit just fucking fell apart, and people were yelling at each other, and, like, shit just goes down. Great episode and, like, great, like... Writing was writing great. And, like, great insight to, like, this guy's family life, what it was oh, so uh, before good. his brother died and all that. So, like, really good look. Really good, like, if you want to, like, look at, like, mo- giving monologues and, like, character interactions, like, that's a good episode to study. Yeah. It's um, a great episode to study for actors. As far as, like... It goes and writing. The, it goes to the story. It's a whole hour episode of, of background information that I kind of don't feel like I needed. But it was good to see um, all the mental issues that his entire family has to deal with. Yes. And, like, why Bear is how he is, which is kind of distant and disconnected. Because he had to kind of live a life where you have to ignore all the fucking people yelling and shouting at you all the time. 
Um, but definitely a good show. I uh, say so check it out. Um, like I said, we're only three episodes away from finishing season two. It's been getting lots of raves for it as well. I can see why. So check that out. Yep. That was just a very brief. Yeah, very brief uh, little view on it. But definitely a show to watch. Yeah. Um, last thing to talk about, uh, I picked up Boulder's Gate 3. Yep, on PC, because um, that's all you can play it on right now. Yeah, I'm not going to see it on Xbox until 2024, because the Xbox Series S is being a little shit about drop-in, drop-out co-op, uh, or split-screen co-op or whatnot. That's what they're trying to fix, and that's the problem with having... I don't know necessarily what the huge difference is between the S and the X, other than uh, a little bit of a power difference. It's weird that they're running into a issue getting split screen to work uh, when all you like, we should do is turn down some of the uh, graphics and uh, texture stuff that's eating up a lot of power on the S to make that work. But mm-hmm. it's a developer issue. They can't release a game without parity on the Xbox system because if it doesn't work on the S and it works on the X, they won't. Xbox won't let you release it. Everybody has to be able to play, which makes sense. Um, but on PC, it's doing great. It sold 2.5 million copies already. That's really good. <laughs> Has over 700,000 people playing it concurrently just on Steam. Um, that doesn't count all the other people who um, have purchased it through other means other than Steam. If uh, there's other uh, stores like GOG or if Epic Store is selling it, who knows. Um, but really great game. It's getting a lot of controversy in the news because like other developers before the game had even come out had said, Hey, remember, this game's an anomaly. This isn't going to be the standard, which is... The most bullshitty, weak, weak, limp dick answer any dev out there could give. Because, one, the game hadn't even come out yet. So, all they have played has been the early access if they even played it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sat there and tried to say, hey, don't expect us to this to be the new standard. It's like, hey, somebody made something really great and really good with a dev team of 400 people. Which, yeah, that's a lot of people. But some of these studios who have big corporations behind them can have access to thousands of devs or whatnot. Yeah. So don't tell me a studio that with 400 people made this great game that your studio that you can get access to even more other studios to jump in and help you out can't bring your A game and try and meet their quality or better and sit there and try and give us the, the excuse of, oh, well, that's an anomaly. This isn't what the standard of RPGs is going to be. It's like, dude, that's how you make the new standard. And the people who decide the standard of RPGs... Are or the not, buyers. The buyers, yeah, not the developers. The not game... the developers, not the shareholders. It's going to be the buyers. Because guess what? Money talks the loudest. Yeah, and for a developer to come out and say, don't expect this to be the new standard, and a bunch of developers to jump on that and say, yeah, this is right, this is right, from all the big studios, is honestly very pathetic on their side. And to me, I think you're too old to be in this business, and you need to hand it over to somebody who, who's hungry. Mm-hmm. Because you just want to make something that's simple and easy, and it will make sure you get a paycheck at that point. The people who are at Larian who are making this game are passionate about D&D, are passionate about the story they're trying to tell, and are passionate about the game, and they wanted to make it perfect. Another company that does that is From Software. They're passionate about what they're making. They listen to their fans, and they make mm-hmm. good games. Because they all same thing happened when that game came out. All the developers bitched about how the game design in Elden Ring was horrible compared to what they think it should be, where it's like, no, the fans think that's how game design should be. Yeah. You shouldn't give us a collect-a-thon of icons all over a map. We want to discover it ourselves. Exactly. Um, so, like, Larian, who has done a great job with this game, 
has definitely set a new standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, will games get to it right away? No, they obviously they won't. But they should strive to at least meet it or try and beat it. Yes. And considering that, yeah, this game has been in development for three for about three years or so. Um, there's plenty of games that these other studios have had in development for a lot longer that don't 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 meet the standard. Mm-hmm. So don't. It's ridiculous for them to think that this studio is an anomaly. It's not a studio of three thousand, four thousand developers who pushed out this game. It's a studio of 400 people who are passionate about what they're doing. Now, what's so cool about this, and what I think is the big thing about it, is that there are other games, uh, Divinity and Divinity 2 Original Sin, which was one of like the highest rated RPGs that they've ever made. Um, I think one of the big differences is that they took the cinematic storytelling that you have like in Mass Effect. Like, you go up to a character, talk to it. Now, you kind of get like this interactive cutscene where they're talking to you and talking to them. Have and you have move. choices. And <clears throat> you might have some camera movements and whatnot. That's what this does. What happened in like Divinity 2 was you always had the top-down view. You talked to a character. They just gave you the text that was going on. Yeah, text and a picture of the person's head. Yeah, and then your choices or whatnot, which is fine. But like the dy- the view never changed to be dynamic or be very cinematically t- storytelling. Mm-hmm. This one definitely does. And then this one does definitely gives you the freedom to do crazy shit if you can think that way. Supposedly, it looked like somebody took like 64 boxes and stacked them up so that he could jump over a castle wall instead of going through the door. Um, See, but that is like that's true D&D, D&D shit. Yeah. They, you look at your DM and you're like, I want to do this. And then you watch the panic in their eye as they try to keep a straight face as they say, okay. Yeah, we're like, I completed one of the first intro missions, which is go and destroy goblin kill the leaders of this goblin army that's threatening this grove so people can safely get back to Boulder's Gate. Um, there's many ways to do it. I, sn- I snuck in and like made them think I was one of them and walked all the way to the back of the castle where the where the head guy was. And then I climbed up on the rafters and killed him. And then I found out, oh, there's two more bosses I have to kill. So I went up in the rafters in the other room and killed the other boss. <laughs> and then wandered around, found my way to the prison cells where the guy I was supposed to save was at who was turned into a bear. Then he was able to help me beat the most difficult boss that was in there, um, and it's like, oh cool, you you dispelled all the go- you dispelled the leader, so the goblins will just go away now. And it's like, cool, I snuck around and did all that instead of just like walking through and killing everything in my way in my yeah. path. So there's definitely different ways to go about doing stuff, but even doing that, I skipped a bunch of missions. Like I didn't help the bard who was captured, who I could have helped. Uh, I didn't find some magical horn that that there's a bounty on to go find in the in the dungeon in the temple area of this place. Um, just because I'm like, I don't want to get my keep getting my ass kicked here because I felt a little bit underpowered because I kind of accidentally snuck by everything to get to like these overpowered bosses. <laughs> um, but you have a bunch of choices. Like you can talk your way through stuff versus fighting. Um, there's different characters that you can clearly meet. Like I met a character who was like, yeah, I'm looking for this red female tiefling th- who's a devil or something. I'm like, oh, I haven't met that character yet, but I want, I know which character that is from the trailers. I want the character in my party. This guy wants to kill her. I shouldn't have him in my party. So I just said, hey, dude, see you later. Go away. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, if you need me, whatever, just let me know if, you, if the next time I meet you. I'm like, yeah, whatever, go away. I don't want you trying to kill this other character I want to know more about. Uh, one of the characters I find, turns out he's a vampire. He tried to drink my blood in the middle of the night. And I had to say, what the fuck? I literally had the option to just stake him and kill him there. Or, like, just go away and eat some four-legged animal. and stop. Don't, the don't, four-legged. Like, because he's kind of a, a rogue character, I'm, I'm my character's a warlock kind of battle mage. Oh, so you're trying to get like a balanced party. So it's like I can't kill this guy right away because I don't know his whole story. But I'm not. But 
he says he normally eats like wildlife instead of human blood, but he, he sometimes he still gets hungry. I was like, you're not taking my blood, just go the fuck off and go away. So he wanders off in the woods to go eat, but he's still in my camp. Um, so it's very interesting. Uh, the storyline is is very uh, well done out as far as your choices you can do. And whether or not people you can trust, you just kind of have to figure it out as you go. Um, definitely taxing your PC. I think my video card runs at like 82, 83 degrees when I'm playing it. Uh, I'll see how well the frame rate dips when I hit Boulder's Gate and have a lot of people weren't running around because right now I'm just kind of in the wilderness. Best of luck. <clears throat> but um, it definitely plays well. I think some of the stuff that's hard about it, it might be because I'm not a PC gamer, is I do have to like kind of look up some controls that aren't obviously told to you. There's nothing ever told me how to sneak in this game. But there's a button that's like, activate sneak, control C or something. So they don't even have like a, if you open up a menu, a tutorial area the tutorial area doesn't go, goes over just the basic it doesn't go over every aspect of it so I, like, I meant like uh if you pull up a menu how sometimes some menus like in uh, assassin's creed they have a and you tab over there's oh, a, like a tutorial, like, tutorial and it explains all the stuff that you need to i know. think with pc gamers it's more like you can go to the controls and look at what all the key bindings are ah. but uh, there's nothing that says, hey, this button here is keeps your people as a group or not a group. This button here makes them uh, all sneak or not sneak. I kind of figured that out on my own that, oh, there's a group button. So when I move, everybody moves. If I don't hit that, I have to move each character individually. And kind of like with these top-down games, which I'm not the best at or used to, is that at times when you're about to get in a fight, yeah, you do want to split your party up and put them in advantageous places if you can get there without being seen. Mm-hmm. So that's how I like put people up in the rafters, and I put people next to uh, the ladders that they're going to climb up to get to me, because there's, just like D&D, you have your action, you have your bonus, and some bonus actions. Yeah. One of the bonus actions almost every character has is they can shove somebody. Ah. But it's so somebody's up in the rafters with them, I can shove them, if I'm successful, they fall off and take even more damage. <laughs> and there was one part where I shoved some goblins off uh, this landing that we're on and they fell in a pit with two giant spiders oh nice so instead of them coming back up to fight us they had to fight off the spiders which they couldn't so the spiders killed them for me and the spiders can't get to us because they're in the pit so it's like cool i'll just dr- keep going get people over here and i'll push them in the pit <laughs> or if i get them by a ladder and they come to get me i can get them to push them off and they'll fall and hurt or you can even shoot um like things that aren't told to you that are there like there's uh la- candle laboratories or chandeliers up at the top yes you can shoot the chandelier that does nothing but if you shoot the knot at where it connects you can drop it on characters right so there's a lot of things that are there but they don't tell you that you can do it you have to figure out that you can do it mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because I don't this, the tutorial is just the basis of here's movement here's camera movement here's how you attack and here's your and you get to pick out spells and whatnot. Um, but like what I think is also really unique about it and what makes it feel more D&D is it does do some dice rolls automatically. Mm-hmm. Like your regular attack, whether or not you hit or not, or something like that, that dice roll is done. And it does tell you how that's calculated for each action. So if you want to do the math of like, oh, it's a D4 or whatnot like this. But whenever you're doing things like, I'm going to convince this person not to attack me, or I'm going to lie to this person, or I'm going to decide to fucking kick this squirrel that bit my leg... You have to roll, do a dice roll for it, and it shows you the dice roll. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, depending on what uh, abilities you might have, you might get a chance to do another, do a redo if you fail it, mm-hmm. or you'll have uh, certain abilities that you have that will give you advantages, or you can add advantages to it. 
uh, to make sure your dice rolls high. So like, if you choose to kick the squirrel and you have and you roll a high enough dice for that, you kick the squirrel and it basically explodes when it hits the tree. Yeah. Um, or you'll fail doing something and a character will be like, what the fuck were you doing? Don't do that. I'll, cu- I'll cut you if you do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that you can roll those dices and then if you, f- and that there's ways you can manipulate those situations instead of like a mass effect where it's like, well, is your paragon level high enough to use it? Yes. If it is, then you're, it's going to work. If this not, is, then nope. Or other games where it was like, here's all the options and you choose one that you don't have skills in and it just fails automatically. This is something where... It'll give you all the options you have available based off of your character's abilities. Uh, not just like, hey, try to lie if you're not somebody who has that ability. Um, I put a lot of charisma in my characters. I have the ability to try and persuade, deceive, or there's stuff that's re- uh, locked to your class. So like a paladin can in- do a paladin intimidation method or something. But it's all tied to a dice roll. And the nice thing is, is if you fail that dice roll and you don't have the opportunity to redo it again... The story still moves on. Yeah. And it's not always like, oh, you completely fucked up this relationship. It's like, oh, I think at one point you could probably do that. But yeah. in the beginning of the game, it's at least like, oh, you fucked up. This is what happened. I also noticed that at a point where your characters can die, but they can also just be knocked out. Mm-hmm. So they lose all their health points. They get knocked out. But like one of the hardest bosses kept like setting my character on fire immediately and just fucking torching me till I died. Yeah. So I didn't have an option to pick me up or anything like that. Um, but if you all get knocked out, I noticed the game moved on and we just all woke up in prison. The goblins had captured us and I had to reload a save to go back. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting and very much D&D that way. And that's what I kind of like is where you can see some of the dice rolls and you have, you can manipulate them. Um, and you can see how leveling up when you're offered, hey, here's the stats and stuff that you can do. When you're playing D&D with a bunch of friends or whatnot and if you level up, like, I don't know where, where all the different... Uh, feats are like oh pick a feat like well, what are all they oh there's 34 of them and they all do different things mm-hmm. nobody wants to sit there and watch you read what they all are and what and what they are you kind of have to just pick it on the fly right this playing this game gives you the opportunity i feel like for somebody who does not know how to play a lot of D to learn how to play D D. yeah and so how- D for beginners yeah and like and how to understand like okay cool if i actually give this person this spell that means they can move around the battlefield a lot easier than before. Or if I do this, that means I can now have proficiencies in these weapons so I can actually use them instead of being stuck with just daggers. Yeah. Um, those are things that you get, have to take time to read into when and build your character. And this is interesting to see a character go from level one in this game and how you progress. Where I feel like when I put, start a game of D&D and they give you a level one character you start off with, there's, you feel like you can't do anything. In this game, I feel like you can at least... Do something. You can fight and not die immediately because you'll find a level one enemy who's not going to take off eight of your health points when you only have ten. I'm like, yeah. well, fuck, dude. I gotta like, have health potions not to die here. Yeah. So it's a very fun game. I definitely suggest uh, if you're a D&D fan, play. If you're not, if you're in- interested in D&D, this is a great way to learn how to play D&D. Um, and they've done a great job making it enthralling storytelling instead of just kind of boring you with the same uh, view the whole time. The problem with the top-down view is, like, my same problem with Diablo is, like, you get tired of seeing the same color scheme all the time. Having dynamic camera moves and close-ups on characters when they're talking, you actually see their faces. You can see your character's face. Yeah, you can see, like, your character has no voice here in this game, which is kind of disappointing, but um, I'm fine with that for the fact that everyone else is really voiced very, very well. Yeah. Um, so 
it's done and put together very, very streamlined, very well. Yeah, they could improve it by giving your your uh, well, character does have a voice, but they don't talk during any of their scenes for mm-hmm. some reason. At least my game's not there- doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some bugs that are in there, uh, which is uh, to be seen. I ran into one where it wasn't game breaking, but I just had to reload a save. And this is one of those games where you have to make sure you save constantly. Yeah. Uh, there is an auto save, but it only happens rarely. But like, I ran into a scene where I rescued the rescued a guy. Uh, he stopped being a bear after the fight, but the game wouldn't take me out of a combat mode, so I couldn't talk to him. I had to go back, re-kill everything in the room, and then it finally let me uh, move the story along. Mm. So there are some of those little bugs, which is kind of expected to happen depending on how your computer system works. When it comes out on consoles on PS5 in, uh, in September 6th, and then later on Xbox next year, I'll probably be running a lot smoother. You can also play this with the controller on the PC. I haven't tried that yet. Um, but that's because they said they're going to be enhancing controller uh, uh, controls until right up until release on consoles. Okay. Which will be the PS5 release. Mm-hmm. After that, they probably won't do much different. But definitely how it's laid out on PC. Using a PC to play is fine. Keyboard and mouse works fine. Um, I would like to see on a controller being able just to move your character instead of having to point and click where you want them to go the entire time. Oh. <clears throat> um, and ha- and like always have the camera follow my character versus, um, PC gives you the strategy of moving your camera to see everything else around you, but you it's nice to have the camera stuck on your character when it moves around. Just easier navigation that way. Um, but definitely a good game. I definitely say check it out. I encourage Courtney to jump on my PC and start a game herself one of these days. I think she'll enjoy it, especially since you finally finished Valhalla. Yeah. Completely, 100% almost. Finally. Um, but yeah, check, definitely Fuck pick Valhalla. up Baldur's uh, Gate 3. <laughs> if you're def- if you're a fan of it, you're, you're going to love it. If you're new to D&D uh, top-down games, this is a great place to start and get you into it. Um, there's no wrong choices. You're going to play this game multiple times, so don't feel like, hey... You kick this character out because you don't like what their what their plan was originally, and maybe they're trying to be a cool character later on. You can go and explore that with a different build, and you can constantly do it. They have a plethora of different uh, classes, different races. This game has infinite replayability, mm-hmm. so you're gonna spend 100 hours playing it through once. You probably play it through again, and you can play it with friends. So it's that's even more fun when you get down to do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, but that's our show this week. Uh, so. We'll see you next week, and we'll figure out what we're going to talk about between now and then. <laughs> that sounds good to me. All right. Have a great week, and we'll see you oh, next time. Oh. How, how can they find you, Ian? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, you always find us at www.nerdcrusade.com. Uh, you can listen to our podcast wherever podcasts are at Apple, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. Uh, our podcast is just about everywhere. Uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, Nerd Crusade. Go check us out there. And you can find us streaming all week on twitch.com at the Nerd Crusade. So, and don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Yep. Enter all those interactions we definitely need. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>